One thing that I am not good at, I just want you to know, unless you've figured it out already, is running a nursery. I'm not good at that. It's not what I'm called to. I'm not good at Sunday school lessons. I'm not good at uh, dishing out hot dogs and processed food. Um, I'm not a highly educated man by the world's standards. Um, But I know the Lord, and I know his word, and his word is what renewed my mind, is what healed me, is what set me free, and uh, is what is established in my heart. And I've made a determination that I'm always going to be hungry for more. I'm never going to be satisfied with the level of revelation, the level of understanding, the level of relationship that I have. And uh, I believe that um, hunger uh, comes from the top. And I'm not saying I'm above anybody, but I am uh, uh, designated by the Lord as the gatekeeper of this house. And so I believe that if I stay hungry... Uh, there's going to be a hunger that continues to grow and to build in this place. I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to put a thing over the door out there. I said it before. It says, welcome to the fellowship of the hungry. Uh, there's a hunger here that's palpable. Uh, there's a hunger here for more. There's a hunger to grow. And I want to minister to hungry people. And I don't want to minister to... to uh, a Sunday school class, I want to minister to people that are hungry to become mature sons and daughters of the Lord. Amen. And uh, I don't know about you, but I was, I was eating steak early on uh, in my walk with the Lord, and I was chewing on things that were way beyond my, my pay grade at the time. Um, but I was hungry for the things that God had. And, uh, you know, when, you, when, the, when the children of Israel went through the wilderness, and all of that's a pattern for us, you know, they got manna that was laying on the ground. And manna is like the word that's available to every, every uh, baby Christian. It's just laying on the ground. You just read the word. You take it. At, I mean, it feeds you. As scripture says in Peter that as uh, newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And as a baby Christian, I was feasting on the milk of the word and it opened up. And uh, I, I listened to some teachings from other people, but my feeding came from the Lord. And I want to encourage every one of you to start feasting on the Word of God. And, uh, you know, if you're, a, if you're a young or immature baby Christian, there's no shame in that, if that's where you're at. But the shame isn't staying there. Uh, ten years from now, you shouldn't be there anymore. You should be eating steak. You should be doing ribeyes, you know, and, uh, and, and have some real choice... Uh, Kobe beef or something to chew on, you know? And uh, because God has that for his sons and daughters that are hungry. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the manna wasn't enough. And, and after a while, the Lord sent quail through the camp so they would have some meat to chew on. And, you know, you can't just go pick quail off the ground. You've got to run them down. You've got to go after it. You know, it's kind of like the revelation of the word. It's not just laying on the surface. You've got to hunt it down. You've got to get it, and then you've got to do some chewing because quail uh, is meat that's different from, from bread that you just kind of uh, 
uh, any newborn baby almost can can begin to assimilate, you know. And so, uh, and sometimes, you know, you get a revelation and you talk to somebody else, they just got the same revelation. Well, they both got a piece of the same quail flying through the camp, you know. And, uh, and that's good because I love to, to be around hungry people where we're reaching for things and we're both getting a hold of something that God is releasing in that moment, you know. And uh, there's a rhyme and a reason to it. But two keys that will enable you to always keep getting stronger in your faith and always keep growing. I'm going to talk about that this morning. You know, in your natural body, you can grow for a season and then you're full grown and your growth stops. Um, in the spirit, there are no such limitations. Although a lot of people have accepted those kind of limitations on themselves. Well, I'm full grown now. I've grown as much as I can. Now it's time for me to get comfortable and kick back. And uh, there's something in our Adamic nature that wants to go as far as we need to and then stop. It's, it's in the, the American dream. We want to buy a house and get it paid for and have a picket fence and a dog and then kick back and sit on the rocking chair on the front porch and take it easy. That's the American dream, right? And I, I'm just here to tell you there's no rocking chair in my future. Now, now, technically, I'm not against rocking chairs. I kind of enjoy them. But that's not, that's not where I intend to live out my days is on the front porch in a rocking chair uh, watching the world go by. That's not, that's not my plan. My plan is neither is my... Well, never, never mind. Um, but this is really important because as we move into more and more revival culture and atmosphere, we don't need a bunch of... Saul leaders who are intimidated by giants and run from them. You know, the things that you're scared of, the things that intimidate you, the things that make you want to turn tail and run, you need to learn to face them. You're not going to get free from fear until you start facing the things you've been afraid of. I'm just saying, fear is a spirit, and a spirit can be cast out but then in order for you to walk into freedom from fear, you need to face the things that you were afraid of and overcome them. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know of any detour around that if you want to be free from fear. We need Davids who know their God is bigger than anything they will face. There's a, there's a Davidic anointing on a generation right now that's willing to embrace what God has for them for a new day. We need Saul's who become Paul's. We don't need Saul's who run from Goliath. We need Saul's who become Paul's, who become fierce warriors, crusaders for truth. Um, let's go to Psalm chapter 84. This thing has been ministering to me, and I want to share some things with you, some thoughts that I believe uh, the Lord is speaking to his body right now. Psalm 84.5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. When you find your strength and your resilience in yourself, 
you'll run out of steam pretty quickly. How many have run to the end of your own strength, your own endurance, your own, man, I'm just, I've wore myself out, I'm whooped, can't go anymore. Yeah, there's a limit to your strength. There's a limit to your endurance. You can wear yourself out and wring yourself out. And, uh, and so there's a need for us to find a source of strength that's greater than our own. Because our own strength is very limited. Uh, when we're relying on our own strength, we've, we've limited ourselves to our human ability. And, and we're not designed to, to live by human limitations in the kingdom. Uh, when you find your strength in the Lord, human limitations no longer apply. You know, I was, I was uh, uh, some of you remember Dr. Pepper, Bill Pepper. Uh, he's, the, he's the brother from Alaska who, who launched the whole ministry in Peru where we engage with, Mepi. And he's, uh, what, 80 or something? Pretty close to 80 now. And doctors told him he had a terminal disease, I don't know how many years ago, like six or eight years ago. And he just, he, he doesn't pay any attention to it. He just keeps going. He's going to the nations. He's preaching the gospel. And, uh, and they're like, we don't know what you're doing, but whatever you're doing, keep doing it because it's working. Because, but he's going, he's, he's going on a strength that's beyond human ability. He's, he's relying on the grace of God in his life. I, I, I put it this way. You know, you, you, and we're talking to several people about uh, traveling by air and some of the things that we need to do in the future, missions-wise, where we're going to have to rely on something beyond just getting behind the wheel, you know. And, uh, but when you, when you get in an airplane uh, or when you get into a helicopter, you know, a helicopter can go straight up. But uh, a jet plane, on the other hand leaves the ground because of forward motion. A, a jet plane can't sit still and go up. A jet plane gets enough forward motion and then it's able to leave the ground. And that's kind of how you and I were designed by the Lord. Uh, it's a picture of grace versus law. The law says, the law of gravity says you're stuck to the planet. You know, your feet are stuck to the ground and you can't just decide to leave the ground. But if you're in a jet plane and you've got enough forward motion, you can leave the ground and you can actually occupy another realm, as it were. And that's kind of how grace is. If you walk in human ability and, and human limitation and stuff, there, you can't, uh, you're stuck to the limits of your strength, of your endurance, of your ability. Uh, you can only do what's phys what you're physically capable of accomplishing. But when you enter into a realm of grace and you begin to connect to your purpose, you can get enough forward momentum and motion that you can actually leave the limitations of gravity or of the law and enter into a realm of grace. But grace isn't found on the front porch in a rocking chair. Grace is found where your purpose is. Grace is found where you're called to make a difference in your world. Grace is found where you're to connect with God's purpose for uh, the nations, for your, your tribe, for w whatever it is, and where he's called you to make a difference. Every one of us is wired to make a difference in our world. And as we enter into that purpose and we, uh, we connect with the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to leave the limitations of gravity and enter into a new place. Amen? So, but you can develop your strength 
to endure through intense challenges and severe testing without being devastated. Now, that may be a new concept for some of you, but you know, it's possible for us to be like the Hebrew children and to go through a fiery trial, and instead of it destroying us, it takes literally releases bondages from our life. When they came out, the only thing that was burned up was the ropes that bound them. There wasn't even a smell of smoke on them because they walked through it with Jesus. They walked through it with the one who holds their purpose in in his hand. And and the fire that was seven times, it it was so hot that it consumed the ones who threw them in. That's how hot it was. But they walked through it with the Son of Man and they came out free. And and there's a place that God's inviting his people Uh, his warriors into where the things that we thought would destroy us actually empower us. Okay? Blessed is the one whose strength is in him. And the second part of it is they've set their heart on a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is a journey. It implies that you're not satisfied with the place where you're from, so you're on a journey to a different or a better place. You know, the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they thought they were going three days' journey into the wilderness to worship the Lord. But they found out after they left Egypt that they were never going back. And I don't know what it was like for you, but I know for me, when I encountered Jesus, when he set me free, when he came into my life, I I didn't realize that this was was a long-term transition that I would never go back where I came from. And after I was into this thing for a little while, I found I was like the children of Israel. I had gone, I'd, I'd left Egypt, and, and I came to the realization, you know what? I'm never going back. I, I don't belong there anymore. I'm not a citizen of that place anymore. There's something more that God's invited me into, and I'm willing to make a long-term commitment to this pilgrimage. Amen? If we're just on a temporary journey... We're not going to experience the grace that we need to, to overcome. We're not going to experience, the, because perspective is everything. It means you're always hungry for more. It means you're always going for higher ground. It means you're passing through the places where other people have settled. It means you're going to have to stop living by the opinions of people around you. I don't allow my life to be ruled by the opinions of others, even, even people that I've looked up to. I do not allow my life because there's one who leads me and guides me and directs me and keeps me hungry for more. And even though people may uh, you know, advise me, counsel me, pray for me, whatever, and, and really be a strength and a support to me, there's only one who's, who stirs my heart in the deepest place and gives me a vision for what's ahead. And it doesn't come from another human being. It comes from him. It means that you found your contentment in the Lord. But you're never satisfied with the level of relationship that you have. You're always reaching for more. When you've set your heart on a pilgrimage, you never, you know, you need to get a set of those mud flaps that say just passing through. Because that's the story of your life. When you've set your heart on a pilgrimage, I'm just passing through this place. I'm not going to settle down. I'm not going to set up a tent in this area of the wilderness and, 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 and create a little sheikdom there. 
by this oasis. I'm going on because there's a land of inheritance ahead for me, and I'm not going to be satisfied until I cross over into the inheritance that the Lord has for me. And I'm not a, I don't know about you, but I'm not a wilderness dweller. I don't mind the wilderness, but I'm passing through. I'm going to another place. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. It, Jesus didn't come into the world and say, hey, I want to go to the cross. He endured the cross because of the joy on the other side of the cross that the, that the cross opened up for. Okay, And that joy was us. Verse 6 says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. So Baca means weeping. The place of sorrow, the place of loss. As these pass through the place of weeping, the place of loss, it, that the place that would normally devastate people, it becomes for them a place where they find new life. You find a spring, a fountain, a life source that's hidden uh, to the shallow, the self-focused. They don't find that there. They just find pain and disappointment. But for those who are walking with the Lord, those who have set their heart on the pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they find springs there. New inspiration springs up. A deeper revelation of who Jesus is becomes theirs. The rains of refreshing and cleansing come to you there. You know, I, I've, I, I heard this analogy a lot in Christian circles, that there's the valleys and then there's the mountains, you know. The valleys representing the places of testing, the places that are hard. And the mountain representing the, the high places, the places of encounter, the place of vision, all that. And to a certain extent, that's true. But I'm here to tell you that the fruit doesn't grow on the mountaintop. The fruit always comes, it grows in the valley. The valley is the place of fruitfulness. That's where pools of blessing and abundance gather around you. Uh, the, the, the Hebrew word for pools literally implies a reservoir of prosperity, of abundance. The place most Christians see as a bad place becomes a place of growth and refreshing. Because you find springs there, you find refreshing there, you find rains there that wash away the disappointment, all that. The valley is where the crops are growing. It's a place of, fr of fruitfulness. Uh, the mountain's amazing, too. We need both. The mountain's the place of vision, the place where you can see where you're heading, the place of encounter with God, where, where God meets with you like he did with Moses up on Mount Sinai. Uh, the, the mountain is an incredible place. You can't make it to where you're going without those mountaintop experiences. But you, if you stayed on the mountaintop, you'd never reach your destination. People who just seek the mountaintop tend to not be very fruitful. You know, they'll go from conference to conference to conference trying to get another mountaintop experience sometimes. But if they don't start walking through the valleys between this mountain peak and the next one and, and walk and facing the things they need to face and walking through the, the places of testing and all of that, they're not going to be able to grow further and, and tr travel uh, on into their place of inheritance. Verse 7 says, They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. 
they get stronger and stronger. If you're still struggling with the same things you struggled with 10 years ago, if you're still fighting the same battles you fought 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever it may be, then there's probably some things that you need to start walking through rather than running from, rather than uh, allowing to paralyze you. There's some things you need to face. Some of those things may be uncomfortable to face in the, to, in the beginning because we're used to running from them. We're used to kind of hiding from them. But those are the things that actually make us stronger. We go from strength to strength. Scripture says, talks about going from faith to faith and from grace to grace. But there it says from strength to strength. From one level of strength to another level of strength. You know, David didn't begin in his battle with Goliath. His, his battles began when he was taking care of his father's sheep. And, and, and he began to fight battles and overcome enemies there that enabled him to overcome larger enemies down the road. You've got to start where you're at and you've got to start fighting the battles at hand and overcoming the battles where you are. You know, and don't be expecting to, to, to raise somebody from the dead if you can't pray for somebody and, and, and rebuke their headache and see their headache go away. In other words, start, with, start somewhere and work. Your, I'm, I'm using just a real, a real simple illustration about, you know, start where you are and start facing the battles that you need to fight now uh, so that you can gain strength for larger battles ahead. Not just bigger giants, but giants that cover a larger territory, larger influence. They find places in Christ where their growth is limitless. You can continue to grow the rest of your life. You don't have to retire in the kingdom. There is no retirement in the kingdom unless you decide to sit down. Remember the, remember the guy who was rich and uh, he tore down his barns and built bigger ones? And then he said... Uh, now I can say to my soul, soul, you've done well. Kick back, relax, and enjoy everything you've worked hard for. Right? The American dream, right? What did the Lord say? You fool. This night, your soul will be required of you. What did he do that was so bad? He quit. The Lord says, okay, out of your own mouth, you said you're done. Okay, I might as well take you home. There's always more. doesn't mean that you have to physically do all the things that you did when you were young. But that's not what promotion looks like anyway. The kingdom is in dire need of fathers and mothers right now. Those who are willing to continue to grow and continue to take responsibility to raise up younger generations of warriors. It's not time for us to quit just because our own time of putting in 40 hours and collecting a paycheck is over. It's time, and I'm just using that again as an example. It's time for fathers and mothers to continue to carry the, carry the banner, uh, to raise up warriors, because uh, we have desperate need in the body of Christ for fathers and mothers who believe in young, the younger generations and can, are willing to take responsibility to mentor them, to pour into them, to affirm them.
But we've broken the limits of the natural. Uh, as we've broken the limits of the natural, we continue to grow as long as we draw breath. You are no longer at that place susceptible to every wind of doctrine. You've been firmly planted in Christ himself. You've heard the teachings of those who have developed depth. And you said in your heart, if they can find that in their relationship with Christ, so can I. Let me tell you. Let me, let me break through a mindset right now that has permeated so much of the body of Christ. Just because you've never went to Bible school, you've never gone to seminary, you've never gotten all this Christian education, that you can't develop a deep, powerful relationship with Jesus and experience revelation from him. That's a lie. That is a lie. There's a priesthood of every believer that was established in Christ. That means every son and daughter of the Lord has the ability to grow into a spiritual giant, a force in the kingdom and in the world. And it's not dependent on your ability to get a, 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 uh, an, an education in the institutions of the land. That's, it's not dependent on that. It's dependent on your relationship with the Lord. I'm not speaking against education when I say that. What I'm saying is you have the ability to develop a relationship with God and to receive revelation from the throne of God. You have the ability to receive understanding that goes beyond the level of your education. You don't have to stay um, ignorant in any way be- because you didn't go to any of the, those things. You know, we, we've, we've launched a school here. Fish is an amazing school that's, that's bringing a lot of growth and transformation to people, and I praise God for it. And, and we, we may end up being involved in more tools for education than that. I don't know. It seems like the Lord's put something on us about that. But what I'm saying is you don't have to wait until you go into a, a, a classroom like that for you to, start to grow in your relationship with the Lord, and you don't have to have an educated mind in order for you to receive revelation from the Lord. God can educate you while you're in that process. And then if you want to go to uh, a leader's school, a ministry school that will help to equip you at another level, praise God, you'll be ready. You'll be ready to hit the ground running. But you don't have to wait. You need to be hungry to grow where you are. One thing that I'd like us all to be set free from is from the opinions of everybody else around us. It would be so nice if we weren't tossed to and fro with everyone's opinion. Well, so-and-so said they think this. Then somebody else next week says, well, they think that. And then we go start running around in circles because we're listening to everyone's voice. You know, there's probably, I don't know how many people are in here today, but there's probably that many opinions in the room about just about any given subject. You know, what's the Lord saying to you? What's he speaking to your heart? You know? Because he's got, he's got things that he wants to feed you from his own hand. If you'll develop a relationship with him. If you'll learn to live your life in his presence. Amen. You've set your sights on Mount Zion. The place where mature sons and daughters appear to take their place and rule with King Jesus. 
Verse 8 says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. And uh, last part of verse 7 says, each one appears before God in Zion. Let's go to Psalm 87 too. Just down the road a little bit from Psalm 84. Zion, uh, verse 2 said, The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Selah. Zion represents the city of God. Zion represents the destination in God's heart for all his people. Zion is the end of our pilgrimage. It's the place that we come to as mature sons and daughters. Uh, it's the reason that he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Uh, it's the reason why he wants to equip us to become mature. It's because he wants to equip us to grow into maturity, to be prepared to rule uh, the nations with King Jesus. That happens out of Mount Zion. Zion is the city of God. It's the mountain referred to in Isaiah 2, the mountain of the Lord's presence that is over all the other mountains. It's the, mountains where, it's the mountain where the government of God is established, the eternal government of God. Verse 4 says, I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This one was born there. Now the Lord's announcing to pagan kingdoms, these belong to me. Um, this is not a secret club. It's not. The Lord's not afraid of the devil seeing what he's doing. In fact, he does it openly. I can just imagine the Lord creating Adam out of the dust of the earth. And the devil looking over his shoulder and saying, what in the world is he doing now? He's playing in the mud. What is that? And then the Lord breathes his own breath into this clay figure and he comes to life. And the Lord says, that is what's going to defeat you. That's what's going to defeat you. The Lord's announcing to pagan kingdoms, these belong to me. Devil, you've done your best to destroy them, but it's only made them stronger. Ephesians 3.9 tells us that he wants to make all see what the fellowship of the mystery is, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in Christ. In God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. God's raising up a man, God's raising up a mature son in the body of Christ that's informing the principalities and powers that they're no longer in charge. That the dominion that he gave to Adam, this one's going to take back. 
and bring all of that under his feet because when Jesus ascended, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. Well, if he's waiting for his enemies to be made, made his footstool, who is he waiting on? It's us. We're going to bring those principalities and powers under the feet of Jesus. Jesus already did his part. He paid the price. He gave us everything that we need to destroy the principalities and powers of darkness and to bring them under the feet of Jesus. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. So God doesn't hide what he's doing. Watch this, devil. I'm raising up a company of mature sons and daughters who will defeat you, and they will do it openly. I don't have to have some secret club or some secret plan in order to pull this off. I'm going to do it openly and in the light because I operate in the light, not in darkness. They carry a wisdom that comes from me, and it will overcome all the accumulated knowledge and wisdom of man. I'm raising up a generation of warriors that, who love me enough to stay faithful through the trials. I can, I can just hear the Lord saying that. I'm raising up a generation of warriors who love me enough to stay faithful through their trials. They don't quit and run away just because they're walking through a hard place. In fact, it makes them stronger. They go from strength to strength. They face their giants. They slay them instead of running from them. I know some of your journeys, and I know some of the painful, hard things that you've gone through. And you're still here. And you may have looked at yourself and say, man, I really didn't do as good as I could have or I should have or or whatever, but you're still here. You didn't give up. And oftentimes what we see as a failure, God sees as a success because we hung in there and we didn't quit. And we're coming back for another round. Amen? What, what could have destroyed us made us stronger. They've got that saying, I think, in the, uh, the exercise world. What doesn't kill you will make you stronger. It's definitely true in the, in, the, in the kingdom. In fact, the things that kill you also make you stronger. The things that kill the old you, the quitter that you were, is actually making the new person stronger and more powerful for him. Amen? And we're just getting started. Say, I'm just getting started. You know, if you've come through the battles that you've come through, that's only preparation for bigger battles ahead that you're going to really stomp the powers of the enemy that come against you. Psalm 87.5 says, And of Zion it will be said, This one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the people. This one was born there. You were predestined for this place. You know, hardwired into you is a, is a glimpse 
of a memory of where you're going. Did you ever realize that? We can call that a prophetic touch. But hardwired in your spirit is a prophetic glimpse of where you're going. The Lord already recorded your name there. He believes in you. You're predestined for that place. He believes, this is how audacious the Lord is. He believes that the seed and DNA of Christ that was born in you is powerful enough to inform you of your true identity. He doesn't have to control you to make it happen. He's just got to put a seed in you that's so powerful because it's the seed of the Son of God himself. And that seed will enable you to develop into a champion in the world so that you can fulfill everything that you're assigned to and you can change the world that you live in. And furthermore, you can reproduce other uh, sons and daughters after your own kind that will continue that work after you're gone. It will empower the warrior heart of King Jesus in you. The Lion of Judah will emerge in you. That's what the DNA of Christ does. He's, he was the only begotten of the Father. The Lord had many sons. He created them all. But this one was born. This was the only begotten of the Father. It was Jesus. And now he's the firstborn of many brethren. We were born like him. We have the Father's DNA in us. We have the, 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 the DNA of champions inside of us, not so that we can be exalted, so Jesus can be exalted and he can reign over the affairs of men so that the kingdom of heaven can come to earth and he can rule and reign through his sons and daughters. That's our eternal destiny. Your eternal destiny isn't floating around on a cloud playing a harp. That's the heavenly version of the American dream. Retirement. Your eternal destiny is to rule and reign with King Jesus. How's that going to look? I don't know. I know it's going to be amazing. I get little glimpses sometimes, and this blows my mind. But I know you are wired for something beyond where you are, and it's hunger that will take you there. Sunday morning Christianity doesn't have a genuine concept of Mount Zion. This is where sons and daughters live in his presence 24-7. You don't just go to the temple to worship, you become the temple. Your body is the outer court. Your soul is the inner court and your spirit is the holy of holies. It's where the glory of God dwells, the most amazing place on the planet. It's a portal into the eternal. All their life sources are in this valley of Baca, which has become a place of abundance. Revelation flows here. Resurrection life emerges here. Giants are slain here. Death becomes a defeated foe here. No cowardly religion here. No cheap formulas to replace genuine spiritual life. 
This is where warriors are birthed. Where true sons become kings and priests in the administration of Jesus, the King of Kings. He's raising up kings and priests after his own kind. That DNA is in you if you've received Jesus. It's up to you to allow that to take over every area of your life and to transform you into an overcomer. Because all of the promises in Revelation 2 and 3 are to the overcomers. And if there's a place that you just don't want to face, it's just too painful, you don't want to walk through it, you don't want to deal with it, you ought to, guess what? In that place, you become a victim. And you don't have to be. You can be an overcomer. That's who all the promises are to, is to the overcomers. He who overcomes. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Thank you, Father. I don't know if I was talking to any warriors here this morning or not. But if I was, I want to invite you to come down here and make a commitment that you will never run from a battle again. That you will face your valleys, you will walk through them, you will not get stuck there. That you're going to deal with anything that rises up to try to stop you or to hinder you in your journey. And you're going to allow the Lord to raise up true son or daughter in you that's willing to deal with whatever you need to deal with in order to grow into your fullness of your destiny and purpose in him. For some of you, that's going to mean I've got an assignment to the nations and I'm going. For some of you, that means you've got an assignment right in your own community. For some of you, that means you're going to carry, you're going to pick up a mantle and start carrying responsibility in your own family to raise up sons and warriors instead of sitting back and allowing the enemy to pulverize your family. Whatever it means for you, I can't tell you that, but he can and he will. It means you have to be available and say, Lord, here I stand. I am not going to allow myself to be in a place that's stuck one moment longer. I'm going on to fulfill my purpose in your kingdom, no matter what it costs. Let's lift our hands. Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for the warrior heart that you're awakening in your sons and daughters. Holy Spirit, you're the only one who can speak to everyone in the room at the same time and connect with their hearts. So this morning as we embrace the journey, as we determine that we're going to find our strength in you, that we're going to set our heart on this pilgrimage, that we're going all the way to Mount Zion, whatever that means for every one of us individually, where we appear before you as mature sons and daughters ready to rule and reign with King Jesus eternally.
Would you help us to find our courage? Would you help us to set aside every weight as well as the sin that so easily hinders us? And run with endurance the race that's set before us. Lord, we're saying goodbye to the concept of a three-day journey into the wilderness, and we're setting our sights on the, on the land of promise. And whatever it costs us, we're willing to embrace that journey and to pay that price. Because the nations are waiting, beginning with our own family and our own community and our own tribe. The nations are waiting. Not only for what we can do, but for what those will do that we raise up for your kingdom. And we're willing to become fathers and mothers that you can use. Father, I ask that you forgive us right now for anything that lie that we believed about ourselves that's limited us. It's made us believe that we don't have what it takes. We, do, we reject that lie now in Jesus' name. Let the warrior heart inside of every one of us fully emerge. Fully emerge. We give you the right to reprogram our minds into alignment with your kingdom purpose for us. word says, calls it renewing our minds. Let our minds be renewed by the word of God. I ask that you give every one of us an insatiable hunger for your word, Lord. That what you speak to us is going to carry more weight than the opinions of people around us. Would you speak to your sons and daughters and begin to show us the destiny that you have for us? And there's dreams that some of us have carried in our hearts from the time we were kids that we've never even told people about because we were afraid it was all just a fantasy. And Lord, would you let your spirit come on every one of those dreams that was put there by you and bring it alive and bring hope and faith to it. And we thank you, Father, that we're at the precipice of a new day. We're letting go today of everything relating to the former journey that's been a disappointment or a wait. And we're embracing what you have for us in the kingdom. We give you the glory, Father.